Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dr. Gemma Sampson. I am an advanced sports dietitian specializing in performance nutrition for cyclists competing at amateur and professional level. And I am on a mission to help change the culture of fueling around cycling. Now, today I have a special guest with me. I'm going to be showing you how, even if you aren't a professional cyclist, that you can still get so much benefit from working with a sports dietitian and really enhancing your performance nutrition in training and in racing because they both go hand in hand. I'm going to be speaking with Stephen. He's one of my clients and we are working to, on improving his nutrition leading up to the nationals in the next six months. And so we wanted to talk about and show how even as an A-grade rider in your mid-30s, there is still so much change and benefit that can be made from really enhancing and focusing your nutrition. We're going to be recording this, as, as we mentioned, and then we'll sort of like take little, little bits and pieces and chunks of it that we can use into essentially demonstrating and showing how even you don't have to be a professional cyclist to make huge benefits and gains in your not just your your personal life in health and physical health but your the training quality and your body composition your recovery and then ultimately the mm -hmm. the end goal being your performance and so do you want to tell me a bit about your your goals and what you're currently aiming for training racing wise i guess i um transition to cycling at the end of 2019 I, I've been a runner for most of my life um actually early on I used to race BMX and I've always kind of commuted by bike but athletics was the thing that I was most interested in I struggled with injuries throughout my 20s and then I got past a lot of that into my late 20s and early 30s and after a few years of running quite well um I was fed up with the injuries and I had my eye on a bike and maybe doing some triathlon. And so I bought a, a road bike at the end of 2019. And then within three months, I'd completely stopped cycling, given up on triathlon and was all in on cycling. <laughs> um, and over the last two and a half years, I've that's been a huge focus in my life. So I work as a clinical psychologist and that works varied from time to time, but at the moment I work in therapy, which means that I can, in my own therapy practice, which means that I can be flexible in how I spend my time and um, yeah. fit in training around a full-time job, which is feels like quite a privilege actually to be able to adjust things in that way. Um, so, and the reason that I, so I've been coached. I was originally coached by Jeff Nash, who was our local club coach at Centennial Park. I think you know Jeff actually, because you're doing yeah, a yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, I transferred to Jesse Coyle, who's part of Nero, um, because Jesse's raced in the NRS and at an elite level. And I was interested in um yeah, kind of taking things to the next step and uh, increasing my goals in fact I just saw Jeff at the end of my ride and he he said to me um he was asking me how I was going I, tell, I told him that I thought I fell off recently and he was congratulating me on some results and he said um one thing that I've always admired about you is you're not afraid to get your ass kicked <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you'll put, and you'll put yourself into situations that are like challenging and sometimes that pays off and it definitely has yeah. helped you improve and I was like oh that's kind of nice to hear um yeah so yeah you're so part yeah, all in. Yeah. And so part of going to Jesse was like finding more opportunities to get my ass kicked and just to keep yeah. um, improving. And ultimately it's 
the consistency has paid off. And I was fortunate to go back to the UK and do some racing in the Netherlands. And since I got back, I've finished third in state elites. Um, I won state masters, um, both road races and got third in the crit. So like, yeah, things are kind of coming together. And at the moment, I'm training, about to start training for elite nationals in um, Ballarat in January. And as part of that, I wanted to get on top of my nutrition, reduce my weight, um, and yeah, think about how to feel my rides better. Excellent. And so we've talked about before about sort of my, my process and the framework, this is what I do with people, both one-on-one and also the approach that I help people follow in both the, the course or the membership that I have is firstly, just starting where you're at. Because what I found is that just going and giving you a meal plan doesn't, it doesn't, it's not adaptable. And, I, and in my, my experience, it doesn't last long term. It might be useful for like a really short term um, when you can control all of the variables around you. But what I find is that often when people have followed a strict meal plan, they've achieved their goal, life returns to as normal, and then everything's just gone back to where it was beforehand. And so I'm really passionate about long-term results for people and changing the way that you fuel around training and and it has to work for you and your lifestyle and your specific training for it to be sustainable and so it's great that you've got a coach because I especially when people are busy I find it's probably the best investment that people can make first to get consistency in with their training and um, and then the nutrition follows because like people are like what do I eat I'm like well what does your training look like the two have to go hand in hand and so the first part of this for the process, which you've been doing over the last week or so, is doing some sort of recording or tracking of your food intake just to understand not only what you've been eating, but also the timing and the patterns of when. And I'm always really interested into the reasons why. And so you've done that for the last week or so. And I'm really curious and I'd love to hear your thoughts of what you've noticed and as, as a result of doing some recording. Mm. yeah yeah I noticed at first I really didn't want to do it and then kind of the more I've done it the more I've realized you're probably not going to just have me do it for one week I'm going to be doing this throughout the process um and I noticed that even in starting the recording some of my behaviors were shifting or my perspective was shifting which I, I guess we know that right when people record things it changes their approach to that thing um I noticed that my generally I easily consume enough fat um, and carbohydrates, but I'm not having enough protein. Um, mm. I don't think I've met my protein targets according to the chronometer app on any of the days that yeah. um, I've been monitoring. It's been tricky to record everything accurately. So I've done some yeah. comparisons or substitutes, but I think I. I think it's probably a fair representation. And even if it was completely accurate, I don't think I'm missing whole chunks of protein. Um, so I've been noticing that. I've also noticed how my calorie intake has fluctuated um, mm. on the days when, so because I got knocked off at the beginning of last week, I had a mm. couple of easier days. But then when I started riding hard to get ready for the race on Friday, all of a sudden on Thursday, I was like eating all day. Um, yeah. 
yeah and I, I suspect that's because I perhaps haven't been eating enough on the rides or before the rides um yeah. and Thursday um so Thursday was the day before your race as well so I just put yeah. into context so your race was on Friday last week so you ate you ate more on the Thursday the day before yeah 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 mm -hmm. okay yeah and no and and they're all really interesting observations and and I like use getting you to sort of look at what you're doing and it's interesting the fact that you, you mentioned that you just just the act of writing it down and recording it started to shift and changes and make changes and and this is a very common experience that I find for people because often we know how we can improve what we're doing on a everyday sort of level but we're not doing it and it's it's more helping us to sort of face the facts of the reality of this is what we're doing and mm. not about judging or shaming ourselves about what we're eating but just noticing like oh I could make that little improvement I could make that little improvement I could that make that that little improvement and so and so then I can then come in with the like oh, okay yep I've noticed these patterns and you mentioned about the uh like the accuracy of it and there's always error with any kind of recording and tracking. So I'm never looking at this being, it's, it's 100%, because even if you weighed everything out, then there's still going to be some sort of plus minus error. And it's helpful just to sort of be aware of like, well, the chances are we're over, underestimating what we're eating by 500 to 1,000 calories, give or take. So mm -hmm. there's all these little things that can be happening across the day that might be holding us back from our goals. And what I, I love doing is helping, I guess, open up, your eyes to like those spots where you can make those improvements in your daily life, as well as the feeling for training, because collectively the two of them go hand in hand. And the, the fact that you've even noticed that it's shift intake shifts from day to day is actually a positive thing. And that's what I, I actually encourage people to be doing, because it might be that your baseline breakfast, lunch, dinner is mm. relatively consistent throughout the, the week. Um, but your training is going to look different from different days. And that's where we want to be adding in the extra food, the extra fuel before, during and after. So mm. then that might be why you would see your intake vary from maybe 1,800, 2,000 calories on a rest day to 4,000 plus on a race day. But mm. the key difference is rather than the food coming in retrospectively afterwards, mm. um, playing catch up. It's like that extra energy and food and fuel is being added into the training so that you can perform better, you recover faster, and then not having the the days after trying to mm -hmm. play catch up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I was also on my ride today. I was aware that um, like yesterday I felt like I ate a lot of food, like my weight is high at the moment. Like when I'm standing on the scales, it's like 66 and usually it's like 64, 65. So I feel like I'm full of food. Maybe. I don't know if that's the right sort of thing. Um, and my, so my approach, if, if we were meeting and I was just doing this on my own now, I would probably just eat a bit less on my ride, eat a bit less during my day and mm -hmm. look for something to change in like the next two or three days. And maybe be a little like allow myself to feel hungry in between meals and like that sort of thing um to try and yeah to try and get like the right sort of number on the scales yeah. but what I'm keen to do is to like to improve like the quality of my diet and see where 
where that yeah. takes my weight and I guess body fat um yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is where it, it's, you've got to look at all the factors collectively. And so, and body weight is an interesting one because a lot of people do get really stressed and focus on a number and a number that shifts, um, it, a number going up by a kilo plus within a 24 hour period, that's a water change. And so if this, this is actually where they're having records can be really helpful to kind of um, sometimes alleviate that stress because over the over the last weekend with racing there's been a higher amount of carbohydrate being consumed and with more carbohydrate we have more glycogen stores and every gram of glycogen is stored with three grams of water and so as a result if you were carb loading for example i would expect to see your weight increase by two kilos with water but Mm. sometimes that's misinterpreted as like (gasps) my weight has, has gone up, but that then comes down to sort of the timing of foods. And so, for example, if we look over the weekend, um, what you ate in the race and then in the days afterwards, um, mm. I suspect that perhaps maybe if you'd had the more food in the training, in the ride, in the race, um, that would have had an impact on the food choices in the, the evening and then the next day. So mm. I'd, I'd be curious to sort of, um hear about how the, your race nutrition or like or it, yeah I'd be curious to sort of hear where do you feel the biggest changes or biggest benefit could be made for you what's more important to you is it the, the training nutrition or the racing nutrition at the moment um probably both I feel like broadly I you know I've just thrown all my Tim Tams out or like given them all. <laughs> yeah. um and I know that there are things that it's probably not very useful for me to eat. And this, I have this idea that like I need sweet things, which I know we've spoken yeah. a little bit about before and could probably come back to, but I think outside mm-hmm. of when I'm off the bike, I'm aware that there are things that I could improve in my diet to have me feeling like more energy. I don't want to go through this national last year when I went through the nationals training prep and I was riding 18 to 20 hours a week. I just, it felt like a slog and I felt tired almost mm. all the time. I don't yeah. want to feel like that this time, but with racing in mind, one of the things that I've tried to do over the last six months is to make sure I'm having enough. I exclusively have water in my bottles and um, energy gels for okay. um, for uh, sugar during the, during the race. Mm. And I've, I'm, I have more than I ever have done. Like sometimes I'm consuming like a lot of gels and that has definitely helped the performance. I'm probably, I don't know if it's inevitable in a race to be in a glycogen debt because I'm always going to be burning more than I can get in and process in my body, but I'd be open to hearing about it. I can't, I generally can't take sugar in the bottles and sugar in a gel. Like it just, that's always messed up my stomach. Um, But I'm keen, I'm keen to think with race nutrition in mind, I'm keen to think of a couple of things. One is like, how can that be like sustainable and affordable? Because Morton gels yeah. are very expensive, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like what are the, is it better? I imagine it's better to have more oat bars and more solid food during training rides if possible and save like only surviving on gels for intense race situations, which are few and far between. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know that. I think that's a great place to sort of start because the like essentially viewing your training 
as preparation for racing and you do that naturally when you think of training physically it's race prep but not people don't always think of the connection of training is nutrition race prep as well Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so you can use these this this time to fuel and practice your fueling strategies for racing and um and it's interesting you said that you've almost exclusively just used gels in training and racing before which yeah like if a gel costs four dollars plus and you've got to use five ten in a race then that quickly ramps up to 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 um hitting your your pocket pretty hard and and this is a common thing that i see where people think that they have to use exclusively sports nutrition products all the time and that's not necessarily the case like there's a time and a place and essentially as the training intensity goes up then our bodies naturally shift and use more carbohydrate as fuel, whereas more lower intensity, we're using a combination of fat and carbohydrate. And so this is why people, when someone asks, like, what do I eat? It always goes back to what does your training look like? And so is this, is it a recovery session? Is it in efforts? And then the context within that's being done influences what is going to be the most appropriate sort of fuel choice. And I'm a big fan of using real food wherever possible, but it comes down to it's it's got to be something practical, affordable, um, useful. And so there's lots of different options of foods that you might and f- drinks and fluids that you can use in training or whether you're doing indoor, indoor training or outdoor training. And so do you do all your training indoors or outdoors? Um, almost all of it outdoors. I, I really don't like the trainer. And that's probably going to change. In order to prepare for nationals, I'm going to have to do some heat prep, um, okay, which will yeah. mean some, well, last year it was sitting in a sauna tent after rides, but yeah. this year it will probably involve some active prep, which yeah. might mean using a trainer indoors with no fan and a heater. Um, Combination of the two, yeah. Yeah, which sounds awful, yeah. but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if it uh, makes you stronger and it makes you cope with the the heat load then it's worth it yeah. the pain the pain is worth the the gain yeah yeah exactly um but yeah pretty much exclusively i'm riding outside okay yeah and so i think you, you i've seen you've you, you often use like muesli bars um in training and stuff and so with the the rides that you're doing outside like are they do you train before work in the morning or after work in the evenings or what what time of the day does that go it, it varies a lot at the moment if if i have an opening uh a free slot during the day i'll sometimes go in the middle of the day yeah. um if i want to ride with other people usually that's before work or after work or if i've got a busy day it's before work or after work um my preference is to train in the mornings but to be honest, it, it, it is fluctuating quite a lot recently. And that will continue because I'll be racing Tuesday mm-hmm. nights at Heffron. I, I'll probably be riding a couple of times a day um, as well in the run up to nationals, like maybe riding in the morning and racing in the afternoon. So mm-hmm. kind of all times throughout the day, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And do you make that decision in advance or do you make that in the moment? sometimes just a couple of days in advance and it depends on the weather too because I prefer to go outside if there's a dry patch and I can get out then I'll do it um or if if it's raining in the morning on a Thursday and I can't do the there's a chop in the morning and there's a chop after work if I can't do the morning chop then I'll do the evening or vice versa um yeah 
Dep- yeah, so it kind of depends on whether my schedule um, and like, yeah, what availability I have. Okay, cool. So do you want to maybe just take me, give me a run through of what you would consider your normal, like your normal day if you're say writing in the morning, like starting with what you would eat or drink before you train or afterwards? Yeah, so I'd probably, as I was leaving and starting the ride, I'd probably have a quick bar or some sort of muesli bar as I was starting to ride um, over to the park or wherever it might be. Um, so that I have some food in me, but it's usually not before I ride because uh, I get up and I do my teeth as I'm getting ready and I don't want to eat straight away. Um, and then um, then during the ride, depending on the duration, I'll usually, if it's low intensity, like it was this morning, like a zone two ride, then I'll eat something about 45 minutes in and then at about an hour and a half. Um, depends on, uh, Jesse gives me, um, amounts of carbs to consume I'd say on the endurance rides I often consume a bit less sometimes I don't okay. feel very hungry well on the yeah. intensive rides I try and have a gel every half an hour or so um depends on it depends how long the ride is if it's if it's an hour to an hour and a half it's, it feels less important than if I'm doing that ride plus another two and a half hours because if I'm out mm-hmm. for four or five hours in total, then I need to make sure that I'm fueled throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it was, so if it was an endurance ride or a session like this morning, then I come home and usually try and have breakfast with carbs within the first half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So some muesli with some uh, dairy milk, maybe some fruit, maybe some other cereal. I really like cereals. So, um, and then uh for the rest of the day I'll have like a sandwich or wrap at lunchtime then in the afternoon I usually get um uh like a muesli cookie and a chai latte or something like that which again is like sweet sugary stuff and then in the evening different things for dinner but usually something that has like enough carbs as a priority for me because I feel like if I don't get that then I struggle um, try and get some vegetables, try and have some protein in there, but clearly not enough. And then after I eat in the evening, I almost always want some sort of dessert. Like, um, And the best example of that is like natural yogurt with a, another muesli bar and um, some fruit. But the worst example is just like whatever I want, like chocolate or like, yeah. Um, and sometimes if I'm hungry during the day, I'll just be snacking on random things as well at different times. Yeah, um, yeah. And do you yeah, find that you get hungry a lot during the day? Um, yeah, yeah. It seems to vary, but generally I do. Yeah, I do feel I, I'm either hungry or I'm eating out of habit in anticipation of feeling hungry. Because mm-hmm. I don't, if it depends how you define hunger, if, and this, I guess, <laughs> would be a question that I have for you. Like if hunger is a pang of that thing in your stomach where your body's like, hey, I need some food, then mm-hmm. I would say no. Um, if hunger is like, oh, I could, I could eat more food now, then yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually got a, um, like a hunger fullness sort of scale. And this is one of the things that I, I find can be a tool that's useful to be becoming more mindful and intentional about food, about food choices. And so the, like, 
you, you mentioned before about the tracking and for me tracking is not something that I recommend for everybody or recommend all the time but it can be very helpful periodically just to sort of understand what's going on and patterns and so I love hearing your going through what your day is because and then because I can see it on paper and then I can often predict like oh yeah that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense um it's often like that afternoon hunger or cravings or sugar desires whatever they they're usually the result of not enough food and energy in the middle of the, the earlier in the day spe specifically around training and and I find it if people are very much numbers based then this is where it can be it can be a bit of a mind play mind and mind boggler for people it's like yeah but look look at the numbers and like the numbers don't tell the whole picture because it could be the it's often the timing of food mm. and so part of this is then shifting the timing of what you're eating when and sometimes eating more at different times or eating different types of things to eat less than other times of the day and the you the sort of the sugar cravings or the hunger um, desire for sugar I is often the result of um, the food choices earlier in the day and it might be that the the amounts of carbohydrates are there but it might be they're quick types of carbohydrates and the things that are used up energy wise really soon so you're hungry again an hour later mm. or there's not enough protein there and or there's not enough volume there and mm. so there's all these little tweaks and adjustments that we can make at different meals throughout the day that then have follow-on impacts later mm. um and so you mentioned like perhaps if we like sort of start at, at breakfast you because you're typically having your breakfast then after after you've gone on your rides and typically sort of cereal based and you mentioned low sort of not much protein there either yeah yeah exactly yeah so um and 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 again like cereal there's a time and a place for it but what I find especially if people have got busy days at work and they've got a lot going on that it's um it's something that doesn't necessarily last a long time so you're more prone to be hungry again and, and start maybe looking for that the cookie or the the chai latte in mm. feet before your next meal sort of sort of comes up and and this is the thing it's it's neither good nor bad and I'm always like it's not me here judging sort of food choices it's all like yep that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense and so changing the the types of foods that you have um and you mentioned today that you'd had or you had you had a bacon and egg roll mm. after your 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 breakfast was that like an intentional choice because you're like I want to add extra protein in here well yesterday we when we met earlier in the week we agreed that um, yesterday I would have a different sort of breakfast with mm. avocado and eggs and when I got home one I didn't have any eggs and two <laughs> I found myself craving the the sugar of it's a muesli cereal it's a sun salt mm. goji yeah. berries chia sort of thing but I found myself craving that. And so I didn't do that. But today, because I was meeting a friend, I thought, actually, maybe I'll try something that has some more protein. Mm. Bacon wasn't ideal. And the bun was like just a white bun. Like mm. if I was making it myself, I'd probably have some sort of wholemeal or seeded bread. And yeah. yeah. But again, I don't know if that makes a difference. I imagine it does. Um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, I wanted, I guess I have this idea that um, if I had the luxury of time, which probably mm -hmm. I do actually in the mornings that I would have make a more substantial breakfast or, or, mm. or buy a more substantial breakfast. Yeah. 
um, that has more protein and maybe that would have me feeling more full. I just, you know, I'm just realizing as I'm talking that I've had this, I've got some old ideas about what is okay to have for breakfast. And like, you know, (laughs) if I have that, I almost have like voices of like, you know, from growing up about, oh, you've had that for breakfast. You you don't need a big lunch or, you know, you, you can, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you're not going to have like a a lunch as well as a a wrap for breakfast and a wrap for lunch. Like, you know, what's wrong with you? And I remember working with a dietitian in the past and she used to have um, like salmon for breakfast and things. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, that's an, that's an evening meal. Like, what are you doing? She's like, yeah. what's well, not it's just food isn't it and you eat it yeah. whenever so um. yeah and and this is where I, I love getting people doing with alongside the tracking as well is uncovering those food rules because the there's so many like say that we don't we're not even aware of them usually and it might be like that's too much that's a like I can't eat that twice in a day and it's like says who and and why and and especially when you're training and you're a cyclist you're doing a lot of endurance training that increases your appetite levels especially if you haven't fueled very well you're you you train and you're hungry and often if you haven't you've trained not much energy in the training perhaps not amazing recovery nutrition afterwards you don't notice it usually till the afternoon in the evening and that's when it really hits people and they're like oh just so hungry just can't control myself i like just Mm -hmm. just need i need it and the the biggest game changer that I find for most people is firstly focusing on starting to fuel training sessions but it doesn't have to be gels so there's a time and a place for gels so um, we mentioned before about like as the intensity goes up you're shifting from you're using more carbohydrate and as the intensity goes up the effort and the the capacity for you to chew swallow digest goes down as well so trying to do sprint a sprint session or a hill climb and eating a muesli bar at the same time, they're just not going to go hand in hand. Yeah. Whereas sprint sessions with a gel or a drink mix um, in your carbs um, in, in, in a bottle, there's a time and a place for that, but it doesn't have to be every single session is fueled mm. for that. And so there's so many different options of different foods that you can use in training sessions and that might be banana bread it might be chocolate chip cookies it could be uh, it could be muesli bars um dried fruit um even like sweets and lollies um mm. they they all have a, a time and a place and so like dried fruit and lollies are nutritionally equivalent to eating a gel that they do the, they have the same response as eating a gel whereas um like when I lived in the UK in Spain like a, a bag of Haribo be like a dollar or like a euro whereas mm. with, okay, that'd be 80 grams of carbs for a huge that might be the equivalent of four gels for a much mm. much cheaper on on the pocket like I don't know have you ever tried or used any of those sorts of foods in training before um I sometimes have snakes if other people yeah. have snakes that's what you mean by lollies, right? You mean yeah, 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 yeah. Like breeds. yeah, jelly babies, snakes, um, dinosaurs, yeah. like any sort of like chewy, yeah. um, parabo, yeah. Yeah, no, I have, I haven't, um, I haven't used much of it myself, although friends have, and sometimes mm. they have like stroopwafels and stuff. I had some of those yeah. when I was in the Netherlands, like yeah. sugary, caramelly things yeah mostly it's for me it's like cliff bars I guess I do I'm I make this artificial kind of rule in my mind that 
you know, those sweets are like bad food and they're not good. Like I associate them with feeling sluggish after eating too much on a Saturday night and not with feeling a ride. But then if I sat at home and ate ate a gel on a Saturday night, I'd also feel pretty shit too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the reality is that the the same nutritionally, like they do the same thing in the body and it comes down to timing and response. And uh, I, I, I compared this once. I've got an infographic, which I'll, I'll, I'll find and I'll share where it was wine gums. I was working with someone a while back and they were having a packet of wine gums every night. And I was like, well, that's a four gels. You're sitting down watching TV and eating four gels. It's like, <gasps> wow. <laughs> but it's like, well, if you like those wine gums, eat them in your training ride. Like the, it's, it's interesting just picking up these like rules that we have about food being good or bad. It comes down to the timing and the place. And so like race nutrition and training nutrition they're they're not it's 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 you've got to look at the context of what's the food and being added in for how is it being used and why and we could eat those sweets at rest right now sugar levels go through the roof and then they're going to crash and then we're going to like sluggish and then we'll be like craving something more again in half an hour that's just physiology mm-hmm. if we we're both on the bike riding and eating the same sweets nothing you you would be like i'm sure i ate something sure i ate something there but it's because our body is actually breaking that energy down using it as energy in the moment and so it's not sitting around as surplus and so this is where when people are only focusing on the numbers and like oh but look i like i i had it enough it's like no the timing is important because if you're having those sugary foods in your training rides your body is Mm. using them Mm. and so that's what i'm often encouraging people like work it rather than so like the Tim Tams I mean the Tim Tams might melt in your pocket at the moment but um like if that's something that you want to eat and you like eating try reducing it and shifting it from being as a snack food and add it into your training food and allow eat it and enjoy it and allow yourself to eat it in a training session that aligns um Mm. with the intensity um and note how it makes you feel in the Mm. hours afterwards Hmm. Hmm. But isn't it the case that a Tim Tam has like a lot of fat in it as well? You yeah. know, whereas yeah, like an yeah, like yeah, and, and yeah. And the thing is, like, fat isn't isn't bad. Like, we use we need fat. So it it's always interesting. Like, we it's unless you are purely having gels all the time, then um. Yeah, any sort of mixed food is going to have a combination of fat in it. And the training that you do, unless you're sprinting full gas like all the time, you will be using a combination of fat and carbohydrate as fuel. And so Mm -hmm. being efficient at using fat is good. And so it's not a bad thing to have fats in your diet, but it comes down to the context. Like having a Tim Tam while trying to sprint, yes, you're not Mm -hmm. going to be using that fuel in the same way because you produce energy from fat as well. It's just it might be cutting off 20% of your power. And so this is why it's it's finding a fine balance because you want to be efficient at using fat as fuel because that's useful for your endurance, but mm. it's not necessarily going to be your primary fuel source yeah. at high intensity. Mm-hmm. And so that's also why like, what you feed your body is what you train your body to, to use. So if you're only ever using high sugary foods and eating them all the time, that's what your body is only going to want to use, which mm. can make you more reliant on that. So it's it's a it's an art and a it's 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 an art and a science nutrition. You've got to sort of like play around to find what is sustainable for you. Mm. And but even if you aren't necessarily using that as fuel, 
the the extra energy you're getting from the fat in the moment will be still being used up in that training session, which is where it's a much better place to be having that energy in training sessions versus afterwards. And um, and a, a prime example of say on the weekend where a comparison of energy intake and expenditure. So I think was it your like as the race, for example. Um, mm. Like I'm, I'm often, often what happens is the bigger the deficit in training, the bigger the overshoot that happens later mm. in, in the day. And so, and it is difficult, it's difficult to overconsume in training. So it's, I find that it's a, it's a mental shift, mindset shift to overcome for a lot of people of adding more energy into training sessions, especially if you're trying to lose weight, but mm. it's. It, it's very it's re- it's rarely the training sessions that actually result in the weight loss if you've if you're trying to create a deficit you're much better having more fueling in training because even if you ate 400 grams of carbs an hour not quite 400 mm-hmm. calories an hour like 100 grams of carbs an hour there's still going to be an, an energy deficit in mm-hmm. every training ride you do but the bigger the deficit in the training then the hungry you're going to be and the more sugar cravings you're going to have in the hours afterwards and so mm-hmm. um it'd be interesting just to hear so like for example with with the race like mm. you consumed what like 600 650 calories about 150 grams of carbs which is about just shy of 50 grams of carbs an hour but then expenditure was almost three times that and so you could have you could, there was a lot of room for increasing energy intake in the race mm. um but then if you look at say dinner there was so much more eaten the rest of the day and the day after compared mm. to what was happened what happened in the sort of race and this is a very common thing that mm. i'll see is that the bigger the deficit in training it's never mm. the training food that's the problem it's mm. it's usually the all the stuff that's being eaten they're eaten in the rest of the day that kind of undoes all the hard work of training mm. yeah okay interesting so i was under field in that race hey uh would you say a little yeah, a little bit. It was like you, there was still good fueling. I wouldn't say it was it was terrible. Like <laughs> no, it was you still fueled well in it. Um, fifty grams is a good baseline, but um, potentially you could have had more. Yeah, like seventy, eighty, like ninety. Yeah. <laughs> the this this is the thing with with um with race nutrition and it's the the guidelines that we have and. Yeah guidelines are at based upon averages and so there's people i know i've got athletes who their top is mm. maybe 50 grams an hour of carbohydrate where i have mm. others that it's 100 120 grams an hour that they're having and what's really interesting is seeing and speaking with my pro riders is that where three years ago we were aiming for 60 to 90 grams an hour now we're aiming at 90 to 120 grams an hour and the more that they eat in training the leaner they get and the more that they're able to have normalized eating the rest of the day. And so, but the, it's getting over that mindset of like, oh, but I want to lose weight. So I want to, I want to create a deficit. It's like, it's never the training food. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Like you want more food in training because the, the more energy and food that you have in training, it doesn't have to come from gels is that you train harder, you then mm-hmm. recover harder and you're able to maintain a better load. And what I find, especially with people who are not professional, is that you've got, it's not just training you've got to contend with. You've also got work, you've got, um, you've socialized, you've got partners and things that you need to be present and performing well. And so it's fueling for the training 
and that performance, but it's also fueling for work sort of performance. And if you under fuel training rides, that affects your concentration, it affects your willpower, it affects your energy levels, sends your appetite through the roof the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so by making that shift of adding more food into training sessions, then it just calms down that crazy ravenous cookie monster, I need sugar sort of thing mm-hmm. that I see all the time. It's mm-hmm. a very common response when of underfueled training, but it a lot of it is about changing working mm-hmm. uncovering those little mindset rules that are going on and being like challenging them Mm. and I remember reading Garen Thomas's book and he said you know no food on rides under two hours which Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you don't agree with Um, and like I get so the question for me is like if I'm doing a 45 minute recovery ride which is like super low intensity do I still need to feel that like or you know if that's in the middle of a training block or if I'm doing an hour and a half endurance like, which isn't, you know, it's not a very long session. Yeah. Do I need to, do I need to be fueling that? Like, yeah. 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 And yeah. again, this is where it comes down to context. And so the, the, with the pro riders, like they might be doing those rides and then they're able to sit and do nothing the rest of the day and just mm-hmm. properly chill and relax. Whereas when you've got work, then you're, you've got other things that are limiting your recovery. And so, this word it, it depends is always the answer like which is I know frustrating for people because um because it depends on what time of day you're doing that training and it depends on what's happening afterwards um so for example and also it depends on how if you're actually doing those recovery rides as recovery rides because often I'll see with amateurs is that we just we want to push that a little bit harder and so we're not actually in a recovery ride we're in a the murky messy middle where we're not using so the lower the intensity we are using more fat as fuel which is great for endurance but if you're pushing shifting that intensity up 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 you're using more carbohydrate as fuel and if you aren't eating it it's being used up as glycogen in the muscles which then affects the rest of the day and so it's putting playing around with things and experimenting and seeing and trial as as tweak trial and adjust trial Mm. trial and adjust and so you're what I find in in practice by default most people are already not eating in those training sessions so they're already Mm. been doing them fasted but Mm. then if that's if nothing's changing from that it's like well try try something new test Mm. it and adjust it and see it's seeing how it makes you feel the rest of the day and how that influences your food choices the rest of the day. And, um, and yeah, it doesn't have to be much. Like it might be like, again, like I think I find that there's so much hesitation about adding food and food and energy into training sessions, which was why I did my research, my PhD in the first place. I was like, why are people so opposed to things that improve their performance mm. um, and the, and the timing of them. And so it might be like a, a banana. It might be a piece of dried fruit. It could be a piece of a, a, a wrap or a piece of sandwich. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be anything massive. Um, even things like Belvedere biscuits I've used or have found convenient on the bike before. Mm-hmm. But even in those 45-minute sessions, like you're still using more energy than you're consuming. Mm-hmm. But if that little bit of extra energy then helps you to like take without trying take out 500 calories plus of snacks later in the day it's like Mm. it's it's worth it and so um yeah they're it's they're sort of multiple things that have long-term impacts as well 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what do I need to do? Tell me what to do. <laughs> Tell me what to do. So yeah. I think the two areas <laughs> where probably there's room for playing around and improvement and changing is at the moment is the protein the protein breakfast is breakfast is a meal in terms of what foods are in it and the the types of foods and and the protein content particularly and Mm -hmm. the second error is fried food and training food um Mm -hmm. because i think what would be really useful would would be for you to explore options beyond just gels Mm -hmm. um and think using things like strip waffles or the sweet things, the sweet things that you would often that you would devi- that you're deviating to, or you're 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 choosing like in the later hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Try seeing if you add them into training food and mm. working on that mindset of like this is good, this is bad. It's neither good nor bad. It, it just comes down mm. to timing. And I would always say if you like having biscuits or you like having chocolate cake or whatever it is, like have it in your ride um, mm. and use it, enjoy it because you're so much more likely to. Um, eat it and enjoy it if you like it and also if you know it's not costing you $50 every time you go out on the bike so mm. that so it becomes an expensive sport beyond beyond just the kit if you mm. are having to eat an extra $50 worth of food every single day um, mm. so that would be like you mentioned like strip waffles and like what other foods have you tried in the past or have you seen other people in the past eating um yeah, I guess usually like different types of sweets or yeah, it's often like some sort of muesli bar or if it's not a cliff bar, some of the muesli bars are like thicker slices that are a yep. bit more they're a bit more greasy. I forget the company that makes those, but you probably know what I mean. Like the Yeah, like flapjacks type of thing. Yeah, like yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And so and so if you consume those things whilst you're exercising, effectively your body is quickly trans using that and that's why it doesn't become stored in your body as yeah. um as because yeah. it it will just it will take it through the stomach it'll process it as quickly as possible and then it doesn't mm-hmm. add to the overall kind of yeah because I think that's a shift in my mind is that like as a runner I never ate when I ran ever yeah. like even yeah. an hour 45 on a Sunday would be without food I'd eat before and I'd eat afterwards yeah um yeah so it's been a big adjustment and I guess that mindset of like having these like bad foods on the bike is an okay thing yeah. but generally yeah. okay I like the idea of moving those from my snacks in the day to actually being on the bike yeah. might make the rides it- more enjoyable yeah, it's, it's just reframing it. it. It's neither good nor bad. It just comes down to timing. And so, mm. yeah, if, if you like the snakes, like they're, you can get them anywhere. You can buy them in the petrol station. And so that might be something you play around with with your higher intensity or bunch rides that you do. And supermarket muesli bars, the oat slices, like some, the solid food, even, yeah, you can, there's, you, make, you can make them yourselves if you like cooking. Um, mm there's but having lots of different options and I find having the more variety that you have the more likely you're going to use it as well so you don't get bored with it like I know so many people that have like destroyed cliff bars for life because they've just Mm. that's all they've ever fueled on and just they hate the taste of them now Mm. and experimenting with different things which because especially as the weather's shifting and changing 
what works in winter might not be so great in summer and mm. and thinking of food that's like moist and easy to eat so like those strip waffles sort of things like they actually make great ride food because it's they sit in your pocket it's small it packs mm. a punch but it's it's tasty you eat it you enjoy it you're mm. so like there's these little like motivational carrots of like oh and it's not about it's not being about like this whole like I've got I'm trying to earn my food it's but mm. your body is using it in the moment and in, if you're enjoying it it's like go for it um yeah. And do you have like, it, I, I don't, I think I might have seen an infographic about this, but do you have something that says how many grams of carbs is in each thing? Because I, you know, if I've got a guideline of having at least 50 per hour, then it would be good to know that that means X amount of snakes or, you know, this yeah. size, this many. I've got fruit. one. Yeah. I've got one, which is comparing snakes to gels and then dried fruit. So like dried apricots or dried peaches to gels and because mm. they work really well as like quick, quick, mm. really quick sugar. And I do have one with um, like bars from like, uh, like sports nutrition sort of bars like OTE or SAS or don't mm. have one. I haven't done one, but that's a good, a good idea. I'll, I'll work on adding one of like supermarket bars. Um, mm. And there's different, I have sort of listed them down somewhere. I'll find, I'll find it. But yeah, like mm. this is where just looking at food labels and seeing mm. what does this contain and and that, that was what led me to sort of start playing around with using Belvita biscuits as mm. as a as a ride food on the odd occasion because I'm like oh this is like the perfect amount for a ride which and it's it's not crazy dry it fits in my pocket and um, mm. I can I can taste it and and so with if you're buying like a bag of sweets as it, for the snakes as an example mm. it's just it's reframing it as ride food reframing it essentially this is solid gels it's mm. think of like the the cliff bar shop blocks it's mm. the same thing they're like the, the, the those any sort of those jellies or shots like that they're, they're just essentially sweets and lollies just repackaged mm. with maybe a little bit of electrolytes sprinkled in for good measure and marketing mm. purposes but you can use real food or supermarket foods and things that you like the taste of you're more likely mm. to eat i was speaking to someone yesterday who was using turkish delight mm. as their ride food and they put it, they put it in the freezer because, and then which worked for summer because they liked it. It was sweet. It didn't make their gut feel sick. And this is where the experimentation comes in and making, keeping records helps you to then understand what can I tolerate? What can I tolerate? What can I tolerate that mm-hmm. you can then take into your racing with confidence. And so it might be that like, okay, currently I'm doing 50 grams. How do I feel if I have 60, if I feel 70 and playing around with the mixtures of solids and and um mixture of solids and liquids and gels like because there isn't a perfect food and there isn't one option that you use all the time and it might be that you use those morton gels for your races with a couple of extra things to help top you up but mm. in training you might not want to use them and uh you don't need to use them all the time mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. And what about me consuming more protein? Cause I guess breakfast yeah. will help if I have eggs and avocado on toast, that's more protein, yeah. but I still think yeah. I'm going to be down. Like where, where is the protein? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the key one I would focus on at the moment would be your breakfast because that's consistently the meal that there isn't 
there's very little protein. So ideally in a meal, you want to be getting consistent amounts throughout the day, timing-wise about 20 grams to 30, 20, 30 grams in a meal. At the moment with, with a cereal-based breakfast, you're usually getting around 10. And the protein is important for recovery, but it's important for helping you feel fuller for longer. And I do find that and if you eat eggs, then an egg-based breakfast makes your meal, your energy um, much more stable throughout the day. And so eggs on toast, eggs, avocado on toast, uh, I find that adding vegetables to everything wherever possible means you can eat more, which is mm. always a win in my, in my mm. opinion because I like eating. Um, but so like an egg is about six grams of protein each. So, so you get maybe two eggs would be what, 12 grams of protein. You might get five to 10 grams of protein in the bread as well, mm. whatever extra adds you, you add to it. So that together that meal will make you getting towards 20 grams. Um, mm. But if you can then add extra vegetables to that and make it more substantial, so you feel fuller as well. And so I find this is where omelets are great because they've, they're actually really quick. Um, you can chuck a whole thing, some things in the pan, whatever, any spinach, um, and then you go from two little eggs on their own to a much bigger meal. You might mm. add a little sprinkle of cheese for extra flavor as well, but it's usually as a garnish rather than as the main thing. Mm. But that mm. would be one thing I would play around with. And it, it might be that having the cereal before you go on rides, if you've got more time to, mm. to eat and playing around with those. And so these are things to just make records and make notes. So using, if you are tracking and recording, like make notes of what worked what didn't work and also throughout the day like where are you, where are you feeling those cravings and with the hunger um it's like am I actually hungry or am I just eating it out of habit and start questioning it because what you often find is sometimes it is actual true hunger and mm. other times it's like oh I'm just eating it because I've eaten it every day this time for the last six 12 months mm. so I'll yeah. send you I've got a um I've got a hunger fullness sort of scale which I'll send to you and you can kind of just mentally clock yourself um, against that because what I find is if your hunger is kind of like at a zero level, you're so hungry that you'll eat the house down that mm -hmm. you end up overshooting the mark and you end up at the 10 where you're mm -hmm. so full that you feel sick. And yeah. these are where all these things, they kind of interplay. Whereas if you have more energy, more food in training, you and you, you've got better recovery food afterwards, mm -hmm. it helps you to have much more stable energy and food intake the rest of the day and less of that like cookie monster i need food i need food mm, yeah yeah okay yeah that resonates and sounds good um okay i am broadly like i'm thinking my because i'm going through this process i'm looking to change how my diet is and to kind of clean it up. I know maybe clean and dirty aren't the best <laughs> words to use, but um, yeah, to just be more mindful of what I'm taking in and thinking, does this, if I'm not on the bike, like, is this a thing that is nourishing for my body? Um, yeah, but I'm aware of time. And I also that I've got like a thousand questions about like supplements <laughs> and all those sorts of things. Um, yeah barocas and stuff like that and what's yeah. what's worth taking or not but maybe we talk yeah. about that we'll pop those time. questions in the membership because then we can sort of okay. discuss uh, yeah. those ones but but this is this again this is why i i work with people over a period of time 
um, because I find that in in practice, all these big changes in terms of your fueling around training, in training, I find by having sessions every week or every fortnight over a three-month period, we can usually make most of these shifts and changes. But then there's 101 other little questions like, oh, what about this, what about this, what about this? And that's kind of why I made that membership because it's answering all those questions that it's like, well, they don't really need to see someone as an actual mm. appointment to answer all those questions, but they're important. They are relevant and they're still important because they affect you every day. And it, if you're left mm. questioning things, so that's kind of why I thought I wanted to create somewhere specifically that can support all those sort of extra questions. But in terms of making the big one-on-one -on -one changes, I find in practice that you are so much better focusing on one or two things that you're, that's, this is what I'm going to focus on changing and being consistent with those so that it, becomes your new identity becomes your new lifestyle and mm. shifting away from the like I just can't I've just I just eat sugar I just need sugar all the time to like mm. oh yeah it's there I, I I incorporate it in my life but it's a time and a place and mm. so yeah I, I do find that rather than like spreading all your energy just chasing all the different things um, mm. and trying to change all the things at once um, like often it's, it's like that snowball effect by changing mm. one thing it often does result in lots of other things changing as a subsequent result um, a result but when you're focusing on that one thing and your energy and attention is going on that one thing mm. you're so much more likely to be able to stick with it and follow through with it when life changes work changes holiday changes location changes so um yeah definitely not about being perfect or having to like be just making these changes in a way that's sustainable for you and then supports your training and lifestyle. Yeah.